Hey, good afternoon and welcome to Wednesday's programme, the 6th of December 2023. In around about 30 minutes' time, I'll be taking your telephone calls, your Skypes. You can even reach the programme via WhatsApp. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, yeah, I haven't forgotten to turn my mic on. I'm looking forward to hearing from you, as I've already said, so the, the details can be found on Facebook and they can be found on Twitter. There's a WhatsApp number for the programme. There's also a, a, a regular number, a 0161 number, and there is a Skype handle. My Skype handle is Chat with Richie. I'd love to hear from you today. I might even offer you a topic or two. I don't ordinarily do that. It's normally kind of open mic, but I've got one or two topics in mind you might mention during the monologue. Yeah, it's uh, beginning to thaw, thaw. It's beginning to thaw a little bit here in Salford. It has been absolutely freezing in recent days, but uh, apparently it'll become a bit more mild as uh, as the day and the evening wears on. I've made some plans. I've amended my plans. I was going to spend a couple of hours with you, which I am. I am. And then I was going to get the podcast online after the live show and I was going to toddle off on down the road to Old Trafford to watch Manchester United against the Chelsea Rent Boys. You're not allowed to say that, by the way. If you're at Old Trafford tonight and you're caught singing Chelsea Rent Boys, Chelsea Rent Boys, you could be ejected and you could face a lifetime ban from the stadium. As they've been warning United fans, United has been warning its own fans today, don't be homophobic now and sing Chelsea Rent Boys. So um, I would have sung Chelsea Rent Boys, but I've decided not to go to the game and I gave my ticket to a young friend of mine who doesn't get to go very often, and he's delighted, so he is. He, he's delighted. He, he says, uh, we'll probably win now 4 or 5 nil because you're not going. I doubt we'll be winning 4 or 5 nil. I says to young Callum, but enjoy the game. So I'll be watching it later myself. Anyway, you didn't come here to hear about football, did you? You came because you heard about the harp, but you didn't come about the football. So we'll dispense now with all talk of footy between now and 6 o'clock. So, yeah, there is a, a jingle, go on, sure. Sure, I spent all of 47p. 47p. Does anybody say p anymore? 47p on the jingle. Here are the Skype and phone details then. Brrr, here we go. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And like a night beats a beat going on there in the background. And there is a WhatsApp number, as I said. If you go to facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie, you'll see the WhatsApp number. You see, a clever thing to do is to send me a text on WhatsApp and to say, Hey, Rich. I wouldn't mind coming on. If you have been on with me recently, don't get in touch with me today. And if you've never done it, well, sure, I'd only love to make your acquaintance, so I would know, to be sure. Asher Jesus. It is the 6th of December, 2023. This Rwanda thing is absolutely hilarious. The New Deal. You know this whole Rwanda policy. Do you, know the, do you even know anything about it, do you? It's ridiculous. It was dreamt up. Well, it wasn't dreamt up by the government. Government is only a messenger. 
was given to the government by by think tanks and by civil servants and by NGOs. And they said, look, we've got a we've got a good way to deter people from coming to the UK illegally. What is that, says the government? And the government's advisor says, well, it threatens them that if they come here illegally, you'll put them on a plane and you'll send them off to Rwanda. And that'll be a deterrent. Rwanda, in East Africa. I don't know what people in Rwanda think about this. I mean, you couldn't be getting any more of an insult, insult than that, could you? Could you really? It's like saying your country is smelly. That's what it's like. It's, it's, it's as childish as that. Your country is smelly and you're smelly. So if you come here illegally, we're going to send you off to smelly land on the east coast of Africa. That'll teach you. But anyway, the Supreme Court in the UK said, look, you can't do that. It's absolutely illegal. It's terrible. You can't do that. No. That's exactly how Supreme Court judges speak. Every one of them in the world. They all, they all have that stupid plummy accent, right? So the Supreme Court said no. And the government went back to the drawing board. And James cleverly went to Kigali to meet with Paul Kagame's foreign minister, Paul Kagame. He's the Rwandan president. And they thrashed out a deal. And it's ridiculous. It's hilarious. It's so pathetic. It's like they're showing, they're, they are revealing themselves, you know, to be the frauds they are. Do you want to hear a little bit of this? This is Chris Philp. Chris Philp. He's a government minister. And Chris went on LBC Radio today to speak with none other than Jabba the Hutt himself. Listen. Is it correct a provision of the treaty allows for Rwandans to come to the UK? How many might that be, Minister? <laughs> so the deal that James Cleverly made yesterday to get a new treaty with the Rwandans, does it contain a provision now, Chris, whereby some Rwandans can come here? I thought we were trying to, you know, decrease the old migration there. What does Chris Philp say? Uh, well, there's a provision once the treaty is actually operationalised and up and running for a very small number of vulnerable people in Rwanda that might benefit from support here uh, to come the other way. But it will be uh, very, very small what, numbers. What is very, very small? How many? Well, I mean, as I say, it'll be, it'll be, a, it'll be a handful. A handful. <laughs> Do you think that's in the text of the agreement between Rwanda and the UK? We do hereby undertake the responsibility to accept a handful of Rwandans into the UK every year. A handful now. Uh, and the other point to make, actually, a, a is that... The, the, I mean, yes, six. a handful. Six. Six. Six, ten. Uh, a, 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 a handful. I think that's pretty, pretty clear. A handful. So Rwanda State Television is going to have a reality television show every year where six contestants, six lucky contestants, will win themselves a visa to the UK. It sounds like that, a handful, right? Yeah. Um, and what's also so worth the number is limited? Is it, yeah, well, it's, it's, it'll, be a, it'll be a handful. It'll be a very small number. <laughs> what, um, why don't we know the, the number? Well, because it'll it'll get implemented when the treaty is operationalised. We are talking about a handful. We're talking about very, very, very small numbers, certainly far fewer than go um, in the other direction. I bet you the real number is somewhere around twenty-five to 30,000. I bet you it is. It's also worth but saying... But we don't know cost. how many. Well, I've, I said it'll be a handful. Yep, but... Um, so that's you're going to say less than ten, then? Should we say that? I mean, it depends. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to <laughs> get into that. It's going to be very similar. Yeah, like we're supposed to believe that the Rwandan negotiators said to James cleverly, "Listen, we're not doing it now. We are not rewriting the treaty whereby we take your asylum seeker cast-offs unless you allow six Rwandans go the other way every year. And if you don't give us that, you can fake off." 
That's what we're supposed to believe. This got even more ludicrous. Once there, is it true that a deported asylum seeker jailed for serious crime in Rwanda would be returned to the UK under the treaty signed by Mr Cleverly yesterday? It's true, it's true. Cleverly agreed that if one of the asylum seekers who is put on a plane in central Rwanda, if they screw up over there and they do jail time, they'll be coming back here. So there is a possibility, because under Rwandan law, someone who uh, serves a lengthy prison sentence for a serious crime uh, can be removed, and there is a possibility that they, after serving a prison sentence, uh, could be returned here again. Chris Philp is the minister who hasn't got a fucking clue. That's his official title. Hasn't got a fucking clue. When they decide, and it's usually decided the evening before, who's doing the press rounds tomorrow? Well, we need somebody who is very vague and really doesn't know very much. Send the minister who hasn't got a fucking clue, Chris Philp. Send him over to LBC. And then he's coming from Rwanda then. A handful. Six? Ten? Mad stuff. This is the Richie Allen Show. Nine minutes it is past the hour of four o'clock. You couldn't make this stuff up so you couldn't. Huh? It's a gift to comedians. Now, COP28 trumbles on. Trumbles? Did I say Trumbles. I'm not able to read my own bullet points. Trundles. Trundles, Baldy. Go back to Specsavers. COP28 trundles on. Now, the media, as you know, because you watch it as... Well, you don't watch it like I watch it, but you do watch it, right? So it keeps inviting nutters to hypothesise about what we'll all need to do to lower our own individual carbon footprint. That's what it's all about, you see. So they're in COP28 for a couple of weeks, thrashing out deals on how we can collectively reduce the planet's emissions so that we can survive another couple of hundred years and all of that old crap, right? But the talking heads in the media are doing this, well, we, we, we might have to do this and, and we might have to do that. Now, Donica McCarthy is the maddest Irishman since Jimmy Cricket. Come here. Shut the door, come here. Remember Jimmy Cricket? Shut the door. And Dunnigan McCarthy believes we'll all need to wear the same clothes for days in a row and not buy many clothes and that we probably won't be showering every day. Dunnigan is a climate nutter. We had a weekly bath and we, we changed our underwear once a week. What? We had a weekly bath and we changed our underwear once a week. Oh, Jesus. We had a weekly bath and we, we change our underwear once a week. The, the weekly bath I get, but I do... My memory isn't that bad. It's decent enough. I, I do remember changing my underwear two or three times a week. I don't know about you. We might get into this in the phone-in. The, the serious point here, of course, is 10% of global emissions comes from clothing. 189 million plastic fibres come from the average household washing. What? From the average household washing, 189 million fibres. So constantly this obsession with cleanliness is actually trashing the planet, trashing nature, and, tra and trashing and okay. poisoning. Trashing the planet, poisoning the planet, this obsession with cleanliness, getting up in the morning and being considerate enough to your fellow workers if you happen to work in an office, being considerate to, to them, you know, by scrubbing under your armpits and your dangly bits and putting a fresh shirt on you after you've sprayed a bit of links. Africa. Right, in you go. But no, that's scandalous and it's killing the planet. Us. Okay, do so you reverse them half of the week? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you do? That's that was Ed Balls there, former front bencher, Labour uh, uh, cabinet secretary, saying, do you reverse the underwear? If you're going to wear your underwear all week long, 
do you reverse it maybe on Wednesday? And, no, no, I change, one, I change one every day. That's a new one. If, if, you, if you're not taking from really, you reverse that's hilarious. That's you hilarious. sort of turn them inside out. No, you I, must I think do that's something. A, I'm really impressed. Ed Balls with a name like that. I'm really impressed with that. <laughs> Ed Balls with a name like that, says Donica. Dave, <laughs> I suppose concept. the question for you then is how can you live with yourself? No, so this guy who you're going to hear now is a comedian apparently. Although he isn't very funny. At least he isn't today anyway. What's his name? It's Dave Choner. That's right. He's a comic. It's easy. It's not madness. Like I mean, yeah, we used to live in mud huts and like splash woad on the wall and wear animal skins. I don't think we're going back to that. I, I think this really frustrates me because I think people think that if you care about the planet, you have to be some sort of crusty. And I really don't think that you do. I think this is kind of like changing your pants once a day. That you know, that's not a lot to ask. Mm, yeah. And you know, this, this is no joke, really. These are, the, the, the whole point of these exercises is to plant ideas in people's minds. So, Good Morning Britain, you've just been listening to Good Morning Britain, isn't the only television or radio programme talking about people washing less and recycling clothes and not buying more clothes and wearing clothes for three days or four days before washing them. You see, if it was just Good Morning Britain having a laugh. But I've heard this same conversation on several stations in recent weeks and months, right? So it's kind of planting a seed. What a nutter, Dunica McCarthy. You can keep him, Britain, you can keep him. I had that, by the way. I grew up in 60 Priory Lawn in Ballybegin, Waterford, number 60 Priory Lawn. Right opposite St. Saviour's GAA facilities. So we had a bath on Saturday night. Everyone went into that fecker before me, everyone. So by the time I got in the bath, bath, bath water was like a lagoon when I got in. You couldn't see the bottom of the bath, right? Which is why I have OCD now and dirt disgusts me on cleanliness. It really does, honestly. Disgusts me. So we did wear our school uniform all week, of course. We did Monday to Friday. Same shirt five days in a row. We were smelly little bastards back then. Then, weren't we? It did us no harm at all, though. There is an argument to be made for children being more healthy being exposed to bacteria, not washing all the time. But back then we didn't get all of these vaccines either. Yeah, we didn't get any. We, we got the BCG, uh, the polio one, and that was all. We might talk about this in the phone-in. Do you want to do that in the phone-in for the crack? Just for the crack. It's a Wednesday, for feck's sake. Rather than talk about something really serious. I mean, you can talk about whatever you bloody well want when you give me a ring in a few minutes. Like. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yes, do indeed. Let's talk about those old days, maybe. Children don't know they're born now, do they? They don't know they're born. I mean, I'm only 48, right? But I that was the thing back in the late 70s, early 80s to mid 80s before we got, we didn't get plumbing. Now, we had plumbing, we had an indoor toilet, but we didn't get gas central heating until, as far as I remember, 1990 or 1991. Prior to that, we had a fire, which she usually stacked coal in the fire up the chimney. Three times a year, the chimney caught fire. Three times a year. You didn't have to pay for the fire brigade. They just turned up and they gave you a little lecture. Now, you're putting too much coal on the fire there, Mrs. Allen. You do realise this, don't you? I do. I do, but it's fucking freezing. Because we didn't have radiators in the rooms. So she would stack coal and slack right up to the back. You couldn't even see 
Right. The flame, you couldn't see the flames. There was so much coal in the fire, right? Three times a year, out comes the fire brigade. No fines, none of that old jazz. They just did it. They were happy to get out and do something, right? So, yeah, we might get into some of that, the good old days. Um, Piers Morgan is a low life, isn't he? I mean, is it is it cheap? Is it cheap to speak like this because he's not here to defend himself as if he would? Is it cheap to do that? I just say what it is that comes into my head. I think he's a lowlife. He opened his television programme last night from his West London home. The arrogant little bastard actually says West London too. Like, we don't know that he's minted up to the tits because of all the shilling he's done over the years for the establishment, right? Couldn't wait to tell us it's West London. Why was Piers Morgan presenting his television show from his living room. I'm just going to explain what I'm doing sitting here at home uh, in West London. Um, I've never done a show from my home before. I've uh, got COVID, tested positive for COVID this afternoon. What kind of fuckery is this? What? What? He, he tested positive for COVID this afternoon. Therefore, staying at home. Didn't we leave all this behind 18 months ago? Or, or am I wrong? Are we in the twilight zone? Is, is, are we discovering that time really isn't linear? What's going on here? And i be honest with you, I didn't know what the new rules were. I didn't know if you're supposed to just crack He didn't know what the new rules were. This isn't a parody. I didn't know if you're supposed to just crack on and go to work and merrily infect all your co-workers. I didn't know if you were just meant to crack on, go to work and merrily infect your co-workers. Or be what I thought was probably the more responsible thing to do, which is to uh, try and do it from home. So here we are. We've got a, a great two-man crew with me. You both recently had COVID, um, so that's why they're with me. Wow. The crew have had COVID, so they're okay. They're not in any danger, you know, spending time in a room with me. And we're going to try and get through it probably tonight, tomorrow and Thursday. Um, and there's no reason why we can't, because let's face it, work from home is the new thing, right? Yeah, it is, because of dickheads like you. Do you know that Roy Chubby Brown is a comedian from the northeast of England? You know Chubby Brown, Roy Chubby Brown, Chubbs? You know he wrote a song about Piers Morgan years ago, when Morgan was shilling for the Daily Mirror. Morgan was the editor of the Daily Mirror, and he was as, as obnoxious then as he is now. And Chubby Brown wrote a song about Morgan. Here's the uh, chorus for you. He's a cunt, he's a cunt, he's a C-U-N-T cunt. With his broken teeth and his ugly face, he's a male dick teaser that's out of place. He slid with the granny and bite their fanny wears trousers back to front. And he fired such cocks and he's riddled with pox, because basically he's a cunt. Yeah. Chubby Brown, I can't tell you the title of the song there because it's a word I've never used on the radio, but I can play it, I suppose, if I want. It's 19 minutes past the hour. I'll go on. He's a cunt, he's a cunt. He's a C-U-N-T cunt. Absolutely. 100%. You're well, by the way. It's good to be with you this particular Wednesday. I've given you the contact details. If you'd like to speak to me today, I'd like you to speak to me. I don't know. I, I'd like somebody to speak to me. And, and the way it's going to go today is... If, if I don't get any calls, I always get calls because, because it's an incredibly popular radio show. I'm joking. Sound like James O'Brien now. Um, but if I don't, I just piss off downstairs to the other room and, and you know, sit down and have a beer. So it's up to you. Keep me on air till six o'clock. I'll open the, the phone lines shortly. I want to talk about um, uh, Ireland and Ireland's government seemingly not being too happy with Israel. 
But um, before that, Agua. He's a cunt. He's a cunt. He's a C-U-N-T cunt. Absolutely, Piers Morgan. Right. Okay. Back to back to professionalism. I just abandoned professionalism there for a minute now. Now the Labour Party in Ireland is basically led by a woman called Ivana Batchik. I hope I pronounced her name correctly. Ivana was born in Ireland, even though she has a Eastern European sounding name. She says she's got a queer Irish accent too now. No, nothing like that. In the Irish Parliament this morning, which is known as the Dole or the Doyle, um, she had this to say about Gaza to the Irish Prime Minister, the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar. So this is the Labour leader. Seeing buildings and infrastructure turned into rubble. We've seen hospitals targeted. We've seen UN facilities targeted. And we're and seemingly no end in sight, two months on from the outset of this most recent awful war. So Tisha, while many of us have been proud of Ireland's strong stance in support of Palestinian rights and have supported the government on that, we are now urging you to do more because government can do more. We're all continuing to receive correspondence, thousands of emails from people across the country who want the government to do more, who are urging a stronger stance at international level from you in government and indeed uh, here in Ireland. Ireland too. We want to see a stronger response from Ireland pushing at EU level to ensure that our uh, that other EU member states can be brought on board to seek that crucial goal of a permanent humanitarian ceasefire. So Taoiseach, will you update the House now on your government's response to what are now genocidal policies being conducted by Netanyahu and his government? And Varadkar said in response. Once again, for the avoidance of doubt, um, not in this house, but perhaps uh, in other parts of the world, uh, I want to condemn unreservedly uh, the terrorist attack uh, by Hamas uh, on Israel. I, I'd love to knock Leo Varadkar out. I would give anything. Uh, fairly, you know, like, like a gentleman. Like, I would give him the opportunity to defend himself. Like, listen, I'm going to throw a punch at you. I'm giving you fair warning. I hate him. I shouldn't because I don't live in Ireland and nothing he does or says impacts me, really. But this crap, and to be fair to Varadkar, he isn't alone. Every single politician in the West. Um, what do you think about the 15,000, 16,000 Gazans killed? Well, I want to condemn uh, what happened on October 7th. Uh, uh, uh. Love to just knock him the fuck out, you know, there and then. Say October 7th again. I dare you. I double dare you. Go full Samuel L. Jackson, Pulp Fiction. I dare you. Go on, say it again. At what point do you stop saying October 7th, Right. Anyway, let's hear a bit more from the Merry Indian. Uh, where 2,000 people uh, were killed, uh, were tortured. Not 2,000, not 2,000. It wasn't 2,000 at all in southern Israel on, on October 7th. That's nonsense. We know now that many women were raped. Uh, we don't know this at all. There's been no evidence of this. None. None proffered by the Israeli government. Claims of beheadings and rapings, but no evidence whatsoever. In fact, I would argue that the claims of the rapings and the beheadings are to justify the genocide and the ethnic cleansing that is going on in Gaza right now. Uh, and, of course, uh, others uh, were uh, kidnapped and taken hostage and remain uh, as hostages uh, in Gaza today. Uh, while Israel has the right to defend itself... What it has done goes well beyond that. In my really now? So it goes well beyond defending itself? My view uh, and that of the government. Um, Israel is uh, allowing a situation whereby a hundred children a day are being killed in Gaza. And that is unbearable and unacceptable. And we deplore it 
uh, and we condemn it. And you condemn and you deplore and you implore the Israelis to stop killing children, but the Israelis couldn't give a shit about you because you're Ireland. You're not even Ireland. You're a vassal state of Brussels. You're nothing. You're just a, a whore, a puppet, really, for Brussels. So you can't really do anything. All you can do is say, well, we'll go to Brussels and we'll ask the European Union to take a stronger line on Israel and Brussels will tell you to fuck off back to Dublin because really, you know, who the hell do you think you are, pal? That's how it goes, 24 minutes past the hour. I was going to do something on migration in Ireland, but I won't. I'll leave it for the moment. It's uh, coming up for 24 minutes. It's 24 and a half minutes past the hour. A good evening to Rob, who says, I went to my son's Christmas play last night, says Rob. That must have been good fun, Rob, watching the kid on stage. He says, the school hall was full of parents. There were a few wearing the face nappies. You cannot help but think people like that have had their lives changed forever. They'll wear the masks in crowds and continue to take the jabs. It's sad, really, says Rob. You're right, Rob. We, we, we have to live with it, don't we? You know, th- there are people who will never change. They will continue to wear the masks. And yeah, when invited to come and get another booster, yeah, there, there are plenty of people who will say, when, w- when do you want me there? When do you want me there? Tomorrow is good for me, doctor. That's how it is. Paula says, Richie, that armhole Morgan has to do as he's told, doesn't he? Bought and paid for yonks ago. Well, you're right. Well, nobody is presenting on national television or radio unless the establishment is absolutely satisfied that they're not going to do anything or say anything which would throw any light on what's coming down the train tracks. And, of course, Morgan, back in 2020, spent most of the early part of 2020 screaming at Conservative Party politicians for not locking down harder and faster. He is scum. I cannot think of anything more intellectual to say. I cannot put it in any sweeter a way. He is the scum of the earth. That is all he is. It's all he ever was and all he ever will be. And so is his wife. Derek says, that might be a bit cheap now. Derek says, Richie, oh, thank you, Derek. As Simon says, my mate still has his granddad's tweed suit and it still looks in good condition. (laughs) That's Simon. The problem is the cheap, shite plastic clothes people are buying. That is the problem. Buy quality while it lasts. You're right. You're right. What's the word? What's the term? It's fast fashion, isn't it? Primark being one of the examples. You know, you go down Market Street in Manchester and it doesn't matter what time of day, it doesn't matter what day of the week or even what time in the year, Primark is rammed because it sells cheap clothing, men's and women's clothing, and it doesn't last very long. It isn't meant to. It's cheap and cheerful. And after a few wears, it tears or it disintegrates in the washing machine and you've got to go back and buy again. Simon makes a very good point. Grace Hand says, Richie, this changing your underwear is not on. What about ladies and lady issues like the menstrual cycles, says Grace Anne, and discharge women have? Now I know where the saying crusty knickers came from, says Grace Anne. Yes, yes indeed. William says, I use Mexican wash when I wash my underwear inside out day after back to front inside out day after that inside out William, some of you need to read out the bloody messages before you send them to me. Yeah, 
I wear my underwear inside out, day after, back to front, inside out, day after that, inside out, back to front, after that, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Three days out of one pair of underwear, because I'm saving the planet, says William. Uh, David Brambo says, top tip to check whether or not your trolleys need changing, that's your undercrackers, throw them against the wall, if they do not stick, you're good to go. Very good. Ardell says, wasn't it our obsession with cleanliness that stopped us from dying in our tens of thousands? Very good, Ardell. They wanted you to be clean back in 2020, washing your hands 77 times a day, the 77th Brigade. Wash your hands every few minutes. Now they're saying, spare the water. Uh, Don't turn on the water to wash yourself because you're using gas to heat it and the gas is a fossil fuel and it's killing the planet. Yeah, you see, I'm, I really believe that in the near future, when your device, your, your phone, which is doing nearly everything now, right? I mean, the mobile phone, I, I had my first one in 1999, I think. Right, it's a piece of shit that we, we got in a, in a box from Tesco. Out it came. It did nothing but ring people and send messages and re- re- receive calls and messages. Nowadays, the phone does quite a lot. When you go to a national park, there is an app on your phone that enables you to park without using money. You can pay with your phone. Not even opening your phone or keying in your password, just tapping your phone to a device. We send and receive emails on it. We spend our days on social media on phones. Now, believe it or not, that's actually going to increase. The time spent on phones will increase exponentially. And you'll be doing everything. Things you can't imagine you'll be doing, you'll be doing on phones. And everything you do will be monitored. Everything. So I have no doubt they'll attempt to coerce people one way or another into not showering seven days a week. Which most of us do. Most of us shower seven days a week. I mean, very, very rarely. If I don't run, which is very, very rarely. Maybe of a weekend. I might hang around in a pair of dirty tracksuit bottoms and a hooded top for the day, right? And that might be a day where I haven't showered, but that would be a very rare thing because I'm very OCD. That might be once or twice a year. So we shower seven days a week, most of us. I can't fit into a bath. I haven't been able to fit into a bath since um, 1987. So I've not had a bath since 1987, so I don't fill a bath. It's a shower for me. But they will ration showers, or at least they will, they will moot the the idea they'll put it out there Brian says uh, Ireland should declare war on Israel then we'll see where Joe Biden's loyalty lies very good very good very well put lots of messages coming into the program uh, Johnny says Richie did you see the government stats guy in New Zealand going public on the debts post jabs debts following jabs He's been arrested, but since it's been released, are you believing this? I have seen some of this on social media, Johnny. I don't know what to believe, and I don't have too many contacts in New Zealand. People I might trust to come on and give us the absolute gist of it. I have no idea what's going on, but it is interesting. Hi to Mimi, who says, Richie, you make my last hour at work so much better. Cheers. You're welcome, Mimi. That's um, Mimi Rogers, the actress. She's currently on set somewhere in Los Angeles. Matt Jones says they started spraying the skies today after a blissful couple of weeks of natural weather. Thanks, Matt. Hi to Bill 
who says the COVID inquiry is a whitewash and a lawyer barrister speaking on GB News said the same thing. The entire inquiry is all, if only we could have locked down earlier. You are very right, Bill. On that, I did post a couple of screenshots from the Telegraph newspaper this afternoon. Johnson has acknowledged that there is a big problem with how they counted deaths. Deaths. Can't say that. How they counted COVID deaths. Johnson acknowledged it. We have no idea how many COVID deaths are truly additional, he said. When COVID fatalities are recorded, we had no idea whether this is merely present or actually the cause of death. We have no idea what proportion um, may have had the disease asymptomatically already. So we took these extraordinary steps to lockdown without being sure how deadly COVID is. Isn't that interesting? And we know because both the Times of London and the Telegraph in June of 2020 and July of 2020, they put articles out saying the COVID death numbers are a joke because people who've died of heart attacks and strokes and cancers and all manner of things, even traffic accident fatalities, if they tested positive for COVID three or four weeks before they died, they were listed as a COVID death. The whole thing was a massive scam. 100%. Now, it is exactly 27 minutes to the top of the hour. There is a WhatsApp number. You can find it facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. Send me a text if you'd like to come on the show and have a chat with me. There's also a phone and a Skype. And here's the phone and here's the Skype. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Lovely. Okay, I'm taking a tune. I've already got callers in the system standing by who want to come on. That's brilliant. It'll keep me on air, as I said. Um, I played this on Sunday Morning Melodies because I was in a real jovial mood on Sunday morning. I don't know why. And generally, as I said, in pretty good humour. But Sunday I was in great form when I got up in the freezing cold and I played this. And I don't know, it just... I, lately I'm feeling very nostalgic. I don't know why. I have no idea, right? But anyway. And this is uh, Julio Iglesias. I'm taking your calls now in a few minutes, right? By the way, good evening and welcome to the Richie Allen Show. When they begin Tan solo Yeah, the man, the legend, Julio Iglesias on the Richie Allen Show. 24 minutes it is past the hour. To the hour. To the hour, Richie. To the hour. Maria is first up. Hello, Maria. How are you? Welcome. Hi, nice to talk to you. It's nice to talk to you. Were you a fan of Julio Iglesias? You must have been. <laughs> no. No? No, no. It was more David Hasselhoff for me when I was young. More, <laughs> Sorry. More, more the half, more the half, yeah. People, people, people don't yeah. realise how huge the half was in Germany. There was a time there. Ooh, you ooh. might you might know this now. You Aus- might Austria. Don't, don't say Germany. No, I know, I, I, I know you're not up. German. I know you're not German, but he was huge in Germany. And there was a time there when he, his concert tickets were outselling the likes of you too, which is just hilarious. The half himself. Anyway, Maria, you were you were interested listening to the talk about not washing so much to save the planet, among other things. What do you reckon? <laughs> it was. It's more the clothes that I've got a bit of an issue with. You know, when you when you see the adverts and they advertise the 
the 15 degrees Celsius wash. So yeah. you just think you can't wash anything in 15 degrees. I mean, imagine, I always wonder what's in those tablets, in those tabs that you have to put in. It has to be just so aggressive to get anything out I've without the, any heat. I've seen those ads really. too. I've seen those ads. Mm. Use the new aerial tablet. You can right, what? and you yeah. see those kids caked in, in 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 mud, and you think, well, first of all, that's not going to come out anyway. <laughs> Least of all, it's fifteen degrees, and it's just it's a bit of a, I don't know, it's just a bit how yeah, like I said about you can't get anything clean, but also it doesn't kill any germs, especially with your underwear, and you know, especially with the kids. Um, I think you know, really, nothing under forty does anything. Um, and I'm just worried about the chemicals. And then you have, you know, you have the allergies that you get with all these chemicals. And I don't know. This is good, start. Maria. This is good. I'm, I, now, obviously, I'm a modern man. So I do all the washing and tumble drying in, in this. I do everything, really. I do the hoovering and I don't do anything. Let's be honest. I don't do anything, right? But, but I'm, I'm going to go downstairs later and I'm going to look at the aerial box. I think um, my better half buys aerial because... I've never thought about this. Do they list what actually, what, what the compounds are inside the tablet? I, I bet you they don't. And I'd love to know. I fear they do. Also, do they? it says keep well away from children. I mean, that, you know, tell, tells you anything. I use one of those eco eggs. And, you know, I mean, they, they seem to be fine for 60 degrees on the whites. And then I have a, I have a chap, um, one of these refilling places locally. Um, and... I buy my whatever the other one is for the for the colorful one I buy there and that seems to be okay I mean you know not, not everything always comes out but if it doesn't you hang it in the sun and it tends to come out after that so now, I don't know just a bit of common sense really. It's, it sounds to me that your life is going to be made infinitely easier if they crack down on the amount of washes we can do in a week and the amount of times we can change our clothes. I would imagine that mums, and I don't, I don't mean to be sexist, but it generally is mum who does the picking up and the washing, unless she's, you know, she's hard-nosed and she, she gets her, her fella to, to do his fair share. But I would imagine mums would love all of this, right? You're not allowed to use the washing machine more than three times a week. By the way, do you think I'm having a laugh when I say that? Or do you, are you like me? Can you envisage a time, Maria, when they'll say to you, no, you, you really shouldn't be. Or they might even design washing machines which don't wash above 20 or 25 degrees. Do you think this might be in the future? Well, maybe for a temperature, but otherwise, how can you enforce a three times a week wash? Yeah. I mean, that's just not going to work. Also, I mean, I have a, um, a great tip for anybody who struggles with their kids putting too much in a wash. If you make them do their own ironing, all of a sudden, they're very careful with what they put in the wash. Very and good. if the if the rule is, you know, if it's not in the basket by whenever, it just doesn't get washed. And you do that a couple of times, you'd be surprised, first of all, what finds its way into the basket, like everything. <laughs> yeah. Or all of a sudden, if I can't be bothered to fold it, as they say, it used to go in the wash bin. Now they do their own ironing. Not so. It's quite handy, actually. Brilliant, that. You're doing your own ironing <laughs> from now on, and all of a sudden the volume of clothes decreases yeah. because they wise up pretty quickly. Tell me this, because I know you're in the middle of um, domestic chores at the moment. Um, yours sound like young enough to still be in school. Is that a bit of a minefield at the moment? A bit crazy, is it? Kids uh, going to yeah. school? Yeah. yeah, I mean, one's doing his A-levels, he's 17. He's, he's very wise to anything, really. I think we've, you know, we've, we've had enough open conversations about most things. 
the little one, she's 13, she's, she, she's getting there and she just, I don't know, I think, I think those kids, they're not as, as sort of gullible as we've, we sometimes think they are. There is a girl in their class and she's given herself a different name, but she hasn't changed appearance, but apparently she's a boy now, but she still wears girl's uniform, she still looks like a girl, but she has a boy name. So they're like, well, we just call her by her old name and refer to her as she. If she wants to be referred to as they, then that's fine. But it's just not, not you know, the kids don't do it. Yeah, it wasn't and otherwise, thing. it's just the, the normal madness. I mean, really, at dinner time, we try to straighten up what they've <laughs> what they've done to the kids in the day. Um, but my kids are not homeschooling material. And um, they need they need to be going out every day. And, you know, we've thought about it. Not, 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 not seriously, but... I think in order to thrive as a family, <laughs> I think they have to be going out yeah. and not be taught by me. I love the idea of you debriefing them when they get back from school, <laughs> deprogram. It's like if somebody got, you know, taken away by a cult for a month and then you bring them <laughs> back home and you try to reprogram their minds. So, so pres- presumably they do hear some pretty bizarre stuff then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it's the usual geography and, you know, in geography lessons, they learn whatever they learn. And then they hear the polar bears are dying out and the, the reefs are dying. And then you just, you know, you just say, well, how do you know? Unless you actually go, anything could be true. I guess that's, you know, with anything in, in life or in the world. So, I mean, the little one doesn't really like school. She's only there for for social reasons and lunch. And then she comes home again <laughs> as soon as she can. The older one's doing, <laughs> I mean, he's only there to get his, his grades for university. And I think they, they just endure it. Your girl um, sounds like a proper I, diva, Maria. Your girl sounds like a proper no, diva. No, she, she really isn't. Is she, she just not? Knows what it's just she the way you like. said it. It's the way you said it. She's there for social reasons and for lunch. Fantastic. Yeah, well, she, well that's, that's the only two things she enjoys. I have friends and the, the lunch break. Brilliant. Everything is just boring and ugh, why do we need it anyway? They're and, lucky. You know, you sort of agree. <laughs> yeah. They're lucky to have you and, and, and your partner for parents, really. I mean, they are, because uh, there's so many kids hearing the, the strangest and craziest of things and they don't have that debriefing. They, they, they can mm. enjoy a bit, a bit later on, you know. So I, I might have kept you from, from, from the old chores then. Is your no. other half any good? Like, I mean, th- that's another, I'm genuinely interested in this. I, how do I put this? I do lots and lots of things in our little nuclear relationship here, right? And my better half would say this. She would say, yes, um, he is exempt from the chores because he does lots of other things. So I get away with it. I don't really do the hovering or the cleaning or anything like that. What about your other half? Do you get a bit of help in that department or no? Uh, he's amazing. He provides really well for us, but he works pretty much day and night. Yeah. And so uh, I work part time. So I think it's only fair that I do more of that. The, the younger one does the hoovering. She gets her pocket money for that. And otherwise we just, he, he does all the DIYs. If there's a, you know, like a lamp that needs fixing yeah. or whatever, that's his, his job. And well, I don't do any of that I now. Do, I, do I, don't do, I don't do any of that. I, I don't have any skills in that department. So I don't, I just literally do not do anything. But, but like your husband, I do work like very long, like I work 14, 15, mm. 16 hour a day. So I, I get away with it. That's my excuse well, and I'm sticking to it, Maria. He renovated our house for six years, sort of alongside work. So he used to come home at about eight every night for six years. And 
renovated the whole house. So I really, you know, give him his 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 due. He's done he's done amazingly. So Brilliant. he's done very well for us. So he he doesn't have to do the hoovering. He does the washing up at the weekends. I do it sometimes. And when <laughs> twenty years ago, when we first came to the UK. I was at uni doing a postgraduate course and in the evenings I was DJing. So when my better half came home from the company she worked for, I'd, I had done the hoovering, the cleaning, the washing up and I had dinner prepared. Now that's the truth because that's the way it worked back then. She was doing the proper full-time job and I was doing the lazy DJ studenty thing. So I did my bit in the house. So I, I believe in fairness. Maria, it was brilliant yeah. to chat with you, by the way. I'm going to take some more <laughs> calls. You. You're going to get back to the ironing, the cooking and the cleaning. Is that what you're going I to... am. Hurrah. Not the cleaning, but the rest, yes. Yes, and I, I wasn't calling you a German earlier on, by the way. I'm, 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 <laughs> Good. Great offence taken there. No, no, it, it, the, the Hof was massive in Germany. I mean, look it up. He was massive. You couldn't get a ticket know, to see him back then, so you yeah. couldn't. The Hof. Maria, lovely I to chat with you. I think he might still be. Mm. I, I reckon he is, yeah. I, yeah, because everything, no matter where you go now, retro is all the rage. The 80s is all the rage. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure he's still pretty popular in Deutschland. Hey, listen, enjoy the rest of your evening and thanks for being first up. Great sport. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Maria. That's Maria in Surrey, originally from Austria. Don't make that mistake again. Now, Peter wanted to get in touch with me. And it was something he was telling me, <coughs> excuse me, through, sorry for coughing in your face there. Uh, and it was to do with, um, it was to do, he wanted to get on last time. Um, we did speak to him before, but not for several months. He is a former Merseyside police employee. And he wanted to talk about an experience he had with a GP regarding immunizations for his granddaughter. And this is very topical. So let's get um, Peter on to have a bit of a chat. It's uh, the Richie Allen Show, the phone-in. Give me a call. You know the details by now. I'll take as many calls as I can between now and six o'clock. And uh, let's welcome back Peter to the programme. Hello, Peter. Hi, Richie. You okay, mate? I am, buddy. Good to hear from you. It's been... Uh, I remember you came on to talk about your time at the police. It was riveting. Yeah, it was very yeah, important yeah. now. But this is important yeah. too now. Immunisations, because very recently... Yeah. The JCVI in this country said, while we previously didn't recommend that youngsters had the chickenpox jab, now we will schedule it for children aged 12 months and above. Tell us about your granddaughter and your own experience of talking to a GP. Yeah, so she um, she was, she was nine, nine and a half months old. So they, they meant to go in at eight, at a, sorry, nine and a half weeks old. And they meant to go in at eight weeks, but for... We we were away for a, for a few days, so she me, me daughter, my stepdaughter, she didn't want to go in without me, basically because obviously over the last few years we've all sort of become, um, you know, scientists if you like in inverted commas because we're all doing research just to make sure that we know yeah. what's what. It's 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 turned us into that kind of person. So I've been doing a quite quite a lot of digging regarding that because obviously we knew that she was expecting. So. Anyway, the appointment was made. We, I went in with with with, uh, with Ellie and uh, her partner. I mean, they're only young, Richie. So, that even though they don't don't want the baby to have the immunizations, I think they they've heard that their older friends who've been bullied into it in the past by by doctors and nurses, scaring them with the scare tactics, which I'm sure which I'm sure you, you you'll be aware of, you know. We're talking about measles and yeah. you know bumps and all that kind of thing. Well, I'll tell, tell you what I heard, Peter, over the years is that you might get a knock on the front door 
and yeah. you'd answer it and somebody would declare themselves to be a health visitor. Yeah. And the health visitor would say, we're here to, you know, inquire about the well-being of the baby. So it's a kind of a subtle, but but, but maybe Definitely. not so subtle kind of a threat, basically, you know. Yeah. We're watching yeah. what's going on, yeah. Well, I've I've tried to, like, I've got a, I've got my own daughter who's, who's older. She's, she's 20, 27, 28. She, obviously, she's in a, a relationship, but there's no... There's no thoughts of babies on the horizon, but I've I've tried to instill in, into Ellie that knowledge is power and that you need to be educated, especially when she got pregnant. I said because you've seen what the last few years have been like with the pressure, the the coercion. I said if you, if you turn these down, you need you need to have all the evidence to say why you're turning them down. I said because they'll make your life a misery. You know, social services could possibly get involved. You know. Not, not, not so much scared. I'm just telling her that here's the information. You need to make a decision. Your, you and your partner need to make a decision, because obviously it's not my baby. However, you know you need to be you know, informed so you can consent to, you know, what you're gonna do. So anyway, she, they both decided that they didn't. You know, on looking at the information and watching a few podcasts and listening to a few. Um, Notable doctors, shall we say? I mean, I, I don't, I'm sure you're quite you, you, yourself, and the people who were the rest of the people who were listening have heard it. Uh, Andrew Wakefield, he was the MMR guy back in the day, yeah, um, and obviously how he was scapegoated and everything else. So I obviously give it, give it, give them the information. Listen to a few podcasts regarding that. Anyway, I'll cut to the chase. So I, I went in, and the, the the baby got weighed and everything else, and. The GP, she was like, right, okay, so you're coming for the baby's immunizations. So straight away they said, well, no, we don't, you don't, we don't want the baby to be immunized. And he was, she was like, oh, right, okay, why is that? And then the two of them just looked at me straight away. So I they said, dropped well, you in it. Baby... <laughs> yeah, for, for 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 reassurance, really, because I, I, the young Richie, I, I, and I, I just think the the. the the sort of in in a situation where it's it's hard for someone in that in that predicament and and with that inexperienced in life, if you like, to get across of course the information is. and to argue with the doctor, absolutely, yeah, yeah. because you know I, I I think back to when I when when I was eighteen, nineteen, my God, I I didn't didn't have a clue what what was going on about anything. Do you know what I mean? So I was just like, you know, you you, you want to go out with your mates and have a bevy and. You know, chat chat girls up, don't you? You know what I mean. Yeah. The last thing on your mind is research and medical information. So, I just said, listen, it's not it's not about that. They don't don't want to give the baby the immunisation. They just want they've got a they've got a like um, a, a few questions that they want to ask you, and depending on the information that you can give them, you know, they they, they they'll make an informed choice. I said, you know, and she was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. She went, well, we'll do the other few bits first and then we'll, we'll go through the questions. So I was like, right, okay. So they've done what they needed to do. So then I went, right, okay. So the questions are, I said, I'm guessing that you've you've read the, the vaccine inserts of the, of the you know, the, the immunizations that you're going to be, you know, uh, injecting into, in, into Willow, the baby. And she was like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, all, I know all the vaccine inserts. And I went, right, okay. So I said, um, the DTAP vaccine is the one that you mainly going to be given today and she went yeah that's right so i said well can you tell me what brand of uh DTAP vaccine you're going to be uh, injecting and the look on her face straight away 
told me that she didn't have a clue. Didn't know. No. So I, she went, um, well, um, that will be that will be for the nurse to decide. And I went, oh, so you're, you're not injecting it? And she was like, uh, well, she'll go to another room to be to, to be injected. And I went, well, do, do you know what, what, what are the two brands that are, are used in the UK? And she just like sort of glared at me. And I said, well, fortunately I said, I've got them, I've got the inserts on my phone, which I have. So I said, it's Vaxellus and Infanrix. I went, are you, are you familiar with them two brands? And she was just like, oh yeah, yeah yes, yes, yes. That's right, yeah, that's right. So I said, um, well, can you tell me about, um, what it states on 13.1 of the vaccine insert. Did you get into that, Peter? Did you? Did you really challenge her? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was, I was to that level. I love like, it. Yeah. I'm right into it now, Richie. You know, for what, what's happened over the last few years, I'm right into it. Like, so, and she was like, she just looked at me and she went, um, not to hand, no. And I went, oh, right. Would you say you were familiar with the vaccine inserts and you read them? I thought you, you know, you'd know, like, she was like, uh, um, you were I very diplomatic. You were hand. you were very diplomatic there, and and oh, yeah, and, and, course, and you were yeah. and you were I mean, right was, to be because you could have said all, all I was doing you've was, lied to was us. obviously asking questions, which yeah. is what you know. I'm sure as as everybody else who's listening to the show this evening, that's what we we've, we've started doing recently over the last few years is we we ask questions, don't we? We, we everything that was shown, we were like, hang on a minute, that doesn't seem right, or you know whatever. So I said, well. I've got the vaccine insert here on my phone for Infanrix. So I opened it up and I said 13.1. I said, it states that um, that none of the childhood schedule has been tested for its carcinogenic, mutagenic, sorry, mutagenic or potential to impair fertility. It's never been tested for any of them. So can, can you tell me why that is? Um, you know, what, what, what that means? Now, obviously, I know what it means, but I'm, I'm playing, well I'm playing done. dumb. Well done. Do you know done. what I mean? And yeah. she's like... Um, and we're talking well, about a baby girl here, Willow. We're talking... Yeah. So fertility is a big deal, right? Yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. And she went, well, the fertility thing, we're, 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 that we, we, we won't know the outcome of that until she obviously gets to, you know, 16, 17, 18. So I went, so you're willing to inject the baby with something that you have no idea until they get to... You know, te- into their teens, whether or not it's going to affect their infertility. Yes, I mean, that's a bit. That's a bit. That's a bit backwards, isn't it? And to Again, protect, I'm playing, I'm playing dumb. By the way, here, Richie, with, with, with that, I said, like, that's a bit dumb, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to, for you. Yeah, yeah. So, so then she goes, um, and I, and this is where everything started to turn a little bit sour, because up until then she was nice as pie. So I went, um, and she went, but the other two things, I mean, you're getting you're getting very technical, and I went very technical i said carcinogenic obviously it causes that that's a that's you know cancer causing stuff and and that's a carcinogen shouldn't be injected into a person's person's body i said so that's not really technical and she went listen um and she's she because where i was sitting there's two seats next to the next to the doctor's desk and the the ellie and a, a fellow was sitting there and i was sort of sitting across the room on like a stool so she sort of turned because she was like half on a half turn initially. So she was like, when I was asking the question, she was like engaging with them. When I said that, she fully turned to me and she went, now listen, she went, there's a lot of disinformation, um, misinformation and conspiracy, conspiracy theories flying around on the internet, especially regarding the COVID vaccine. And I went, 
you mean like myocarditis, pericarditis, and thrombocytopenia and blood clots? And she just, a chin hit the floor. And she just like looked at me and she went, yes, yes, they are, they are side effects. And I went, yeah, but that's, you just said it was a conspiracy theory. And the point is, said, you're not telling people about these things. You're not telling exactly. people that it that the, the impact on the fertility of the baby girl is unknown. You're not telling exactly. them. That's the definition no. of informed consent. So then mum can Correct. say, all right then, yes or no, but at least I know what the risks are. It's yeah. outrageous, and isn't it, that the they thing, would the behave thing, like that? The thing is, Richie, is that after the whole episode had finished, I was sort of like, I was, I was, I was gobsmacked because I expected a, a different response. I expected it to go, well, I didn't know that was on the insert. I'll have to have a look into that because that's the first time I've I've seen that. And you know, like, look, let me have a look at that. Yeah, well, you could forgive that straight away. Yeah, she was on the defensive, started saying conspiracy theories, and I went. So, I obviously when I said about, you know, the obviously the side effects for, with, with myocarditis, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and I went, yeah, but you, so I said, but the thing was, I said this was sold as the COVID jab was sold as safe, safe and effective. I said these injuries, the myocarditis, pericarditis, thrombocytopenia, blood clots, all that. I said they'd been known for for a while. I said so, they're not conspiracy theories. I went, it's only coming to the fore now for people. Who, who didn't realise that, that, that you know, the information was out there. I said, due to censorship, I said, so... Was she you, angry? Was, was she angry, Peter, that you were yes, challenging, she, challenging, she got, challenging she, her? Yeah. So, so in, we, I said, listen, no one's brought... I'm not here to talk about the COVID-19 vaccine. I said, because that's not on the agenda, on the on the baby's, the baby's uh, childhood immunisation. I said, so I don't know why you brought that into it. I said, but you're telling me that you think it's okay to vaccinate... A 14-year-old kid with a COVID-19 vaccine, with with you know the potential of him getting myocarditis and injuring his heart for the rest of his day, his, his life, or he has you know a sore throat and, and, and a cough for a few days. And he might be doing. Um, went, he might be playing basketball. She went ballistic, she went ballistic yeah. Richie. That's she went ballistic. Went, she it, went. Jesus. It's not a. You don't get a sore throat and a and a cough. This is a very serious disease. I went not for a 14-year-old child. It's not. No, it isn't. Do you know what I mean? And she was like, "No, no, no." I went anyway. Listen, I haven't come here to be, to to talk about COVID nineteen. I said I'm here to talk about the immunizations that you want to inject into this baby. Peter, I said, from what the information that you're giving me, I said it seems to me that you don't really know much about it. I said because informed consent is that we ask you questions, you give us the information, and then we make a decision based on that. She went. You've come in here with an agenda. Wow. That was what she said, Richie, staring at me. You've come in here with an agenda. And I how did so, me an agenda? So obviously said, Willow sorry, sorry, so obviously Willow has not had the job, which is No, great. no, no. So how not to be rushing you, but calls are backing up and I have a feeling we're going to yeah, hear no more problem, from yeah. or, no, we're going to hear more from listeners on this, I'm guessing. How did yeah. it, how did you leave it then with the doctor? How did it end? Well basically she turned the back on me and she wouldn't engage with me. Because I, I moved on to like hepatitis B vaccine, which obviously sexual sexually transmitted disease yeah. and all these kind of things. She went, well, let's have a look on Google then. And I went, you're going to go on Google and tell me about the hepatitis B vaccine. I went, really? Really? And she was just like, she just turned the back and she would not speak to me. And, and, and she completely ignored any other question that I had and just that focused on Ellie. I was talking to her about, you know, measles, mumps and scaring and that, you know, with potentially 
and hoop and cough and all these things. So when I was trying to sort of interject into the conversation regarding like obviously the hoop and cough vaccine and all that, she would not engage at all. So in the end, she just like printed off this, the form, slapped it on the desk and said, um, you, can, you might as well just sign every single box on there because I'm guessing you're not coming back for the, for, for, for the next, for the next lot, lot of injections. To, you know, I'm, I'm condensing the story down, obviously, because you need to move on. But yeah. that was basically, that was the basically the, the way she was. And so hostile, was, hostile and defensive. And yes. what, what you said a moment ago was interesting. You got the impression that it wasn't that she didn't know about what was in the inserts. Because if she had been ignorant, she would have said, as you quite rightly put it, she would have said, Jesus, tell me more or show me that. I didn't realise yes. that. But and, and yes. from what I understand, whatever the immunisation is, there is a flat fee per immunisation given per surgery. Yes. So the doctors are getting well, paid to give this stuff. Richie, funny you should say that, right? Yeah. Funny you should say that. Because I said to Ellie before before she went in, I went, Don't forget, I said that they get a they get a fee for every for every injection that they, that they give. So when we were having this conversation backwards and forwards when she was getting really defensive, the doctor actually sat there and said, it's not as if we're being paid to inject to inject babies. That was, that's like, that's quote unquote. It's not as if we're being paid to inject babies. And Ellie just looked at me straight away as if to go, oh my God. Yeah, they are. Because we, because we know that they are. Peter, thanks for sharing this. This okay. is important. And I'd like to extend to our listeners, like if you've had an experience of this or, you know, felt that you were pressured by a local GP or even a school to um, to vaccinate a kid, do get in touch with us via the WhatsApp number or get in touch with me via Skype or by the can phone. Can I just say one thing, Richie? Can yeah, go ahead, thing, Peter, quick as you can, can, yeah. It was when, you know, you had that conversation with that guy last week who was obviously... Um, he, he he gave he helped his his partner give birth to the baby. And yeah, and all that's that. right. Remember? Yeah, yeah. And I, I I told Ellie to listen to that because obviously the way he was handled by yeah obviously the social services and everything else. I think he I think he ended up getting arrested in in Ireland. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. And his daughter yeah, so is fourteen I, I, now, and he basically yeah yeah told her to listen to that because obviously you know she's now I, I think she now might be red flagged because obviously she's decided not to give the baby a jab so keep us yeah, posted was... won't you Peter keep us po keep us posted on that won't you if there's yeah, any, we'll if, there's any yeah, fall, yeah, yeah. if there's any um, blowback from the from oh, the we'll GP me, yeah. but uh, thanks buddy for sharing that very yeah, important thanks for the call Richie cheers mate Take you're care. welcome Peter thank you bye for now uh, the last last week we, we did a phone in we were, we were called by staff I think it was staff it was he was lovely really lovely spoken chap and he talked about how he ended up um, absconding from the UK to Ireland because um, it's all about forced adoption. It's on Podomatic, it's on iTunes. It's a very interesting listen. If you haven't heard it, I recommend you check it out. Uh, this is the Richie Allen Show. It's Wednesday's programme. It's already coming up for four and a half minutes past the hour of five o'clock. While um, Just before I take my next phone call... Uh, I want to read a few messages because this is the thing I we, we kind of let ourselves down, don't we? You're, you're sending me in lots and lots of messages, and uh, I don't always get to them. Uh, Patricia is listening. Good evening, Patricia. She agrees wholeheartedly. By the way, with Peter, question everything. Ask them questions. Hello to Alexandra, who says, Richie, did you hear that Slovakia, among other countries, 
will not be signing the International Pandemic Treaty with the World Health Organization. Hopefully more countries will follow the same route. Thanks, Alexandra. I didn't, I'm going to be honest with you now. I did not. Um, un- unless I've missed it, and it's possible because I can't read everything, but I didn't see that reported in the British press. But thanks, Alexandra. I'll double down on that. That's interesting. Slovakia, we will not hand control over our health policies to the World Health Organization. We've got to uh, find out more about that. Thank you, Andrea. Um, just before I read more of your messages and take some more of your calls. Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. I had an interesting message there and it's just jumped away from my screen and I think it was from Tim. I'm going to try and find it now. And it was relevant to what we were talking about. Let me just keep... Keep your cool there, Baldy, and you'll find it. Yeah, this from Tim. Listen to this. The kids in my grandson's year 11, whose parents refused to allow them have the nasal flu spray, were made even to wear red stickers on their jumpers all day. Those kids who received the nasal flu spray were given goodie bags. Is that right, Tim? Tim, I'm not going to read the name of the school out loud. But would you send it to me? And then what I'll do is I'll privately contact the school and ask them what's going on. Because I do like to do that. I don't get too many responses. But which school is it? So the children whose parents said no, they will not have the nasal flu spray because they don't need it, were made to wear red stickers. That's disgusting, Tim. I mean, that is disgusting, isn't it? If that is true. And Tim is not telling us lies. We don't imagine he is. Jesus, you wouldn't put up with that, would you, if you, were a, if you were a parent? Hi to Matt Jones. Hello, Matt. He's in South Wales. How you doing, pal? He's listening to Peter, the ex-policeman who went along with the granddaughter to oversee the, um, the immunisation routine. And Matt asked me, would I pass on his details to uh, Peter? Because he would like the info he has on the mRNA vaccine. I will, Matt. I'll try and do that, pal. I think I'm connected to you on WhatsApp, so I'll work out a way of doing that. Kay says, doctors are not used to being challenged, but people are awake now and doctors will just have to get used to it. I live in a village with about 70 houses. There have been three deaths in the last month, all elderly. The COVID bus rolled into the next village about seven weeks ago and the elderly were queuing up. Is that a coincidence? Asks Kay. Yeah, it's depressing, Kay, isn't it? It's depressing. Um, Chris was next up in the queue. Let's get Chris on. Uh, the contact details, folks, are on BBG Richie Facebook page. So facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. You'll find the contact details on Twitter as well. Have you had any such, have you had such an encounter with a GP about vaccinations and whether or not the vaccines may be harmful? Have you asked the GP to give you information on the ingredients, if you want to use the term ingredients, of the vaccine? And what sort of response did you get? Are you a parent, right, 
who said, no, my children will not be vaccinated. Did you get any blowback because of that? I remember years ago, not that many years ago, uh, David Icke's daughter, Kerry. I don't know if you've ever come across Kerry on social media. She is a lovely woman, an absolute lovely woman, just like her mum, Linda, full of fun and uh, just a great person to be around is Kerry. And Kerry has two children. I can never remember the daughter's name, but her boy's name is Zach anyway, David's grandson and granddaughter. And she said from day one that the kids wouldn't receive anything. And uh, if I remember, there was a little bit of annoyance, a little bit of, not harassment, but there were some annoying calls about changing your mind. She put her foot down and very strongly said, piss off. It ain't happening today or tomorrow or any other day for that matter. But let me know anyway. Uh, Chris, welcome back to the programme. It's been a long time. How are you, pal? Are you well? Hello, mate. I'm okay, yeah. Good man. Have you ever had any of that old nonsense? Health visitors um, asking you yeah. about what, what you know what, what, what about children or, or grandchildren and why did you not get vaccinated? And do you ever have any of that stuff at all or do you know anybody who's ever had to deal with any of that? No, unfortunately, most of my friends have gone down the mainstream route and their kids have had everything. Um, we've we've had interference before um, with from um, from sort of mental health services and things like that. Both me and Jess, when we've not been well at times, sort of unwanted interference, if you know what I mean. Do you mind, um, do you mind me asking? But, I don't want any details about your health because that's none of my business. But but what uh, sort of interference? Give us give us because I'm really interested the in police, this. The police breaking into the house because of and, your um, and would this be because of be, your ideology or your opinions or no 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 this is because one of us was having a a, a mental health crisis. And the other one made the stupid mistake of dialing 999 right, because they were worried. Yeah. And um, we resolved it ourselves before. Um, and, I, and, and they didn't, I, I didn't know what, who I needed. And I said to the operator, which service? I said, I, I don't know. I said, this is the situation. And um, they just kept repeating which service, which service. So I put the phone down and we dealt with it. We sorted it. It was, it was fine. Um, and 15 minutes later, I get a phone call from the local police and I'm like, look, it's fine. The situation's resolved. We don't need any help. Um, we're fine. And, uh, they wouldn't take it. And literally police tried to, well, like, if I hadn't have opened the door, they'd have kicked it in. And then we had a lot of interference on the back of it, which wasn't helpful. Right. I'm with you. Is there an argument to be made that the police just don't know and that they're under some sort of order to not take a chance like there, you know, there is mate but when both of us have come to the door and, and said told through the door that we're okay and yeah. that we don't need any assistance it should end it, it should becomes, end there shouldn't it at that stage it should, it should end, end there. yeah yeah it should have ended there and, and, it, and it and it didn't and it went on and it's had ramifications that are, that are still going on to this day um so yeah, but I didn't call for that. No, of mate. course you I didn't. Called. No, no. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I don't want to bring the mood down. Too it's much, not bringing mate. the mood down. Um, this is very important. I'll tell you why. Because I advise people just before we get to why you really came on. I advise people all the time, and I've looked into this. So I, I would never give people advice unless I was absolutely sure and I'd done my research. When, when, when parents are working together and they they both believe the child does not need a medical intervention, so they've decided right no. There can be a bit of harassment. Not always, but sometimes there can be a bit of harassment. There can be, 
And, and the thing to do is to never, ever, ever allow them inside the door. You know, they might start, uh, well, we just, you know, like to see the babies fine. You know, don't even get into conversations like, why did you uh, receive a call? Or why, why, why are you worried about, is the baby, don't even get into any of that. Just say the baby's fine. Thanks very much. And uh, exactly have a nice day and, and close the door. Assistance. Absolutely. And do yeah. not let them in yeah. the house. If you've not vaccinated oh, your kids. Mate. Anyway, sorry, Chris, mate, go ahead. No, no, no. I'll just say on that quickly, mate. Once they're in your house as well, mate, they will look for anything that they think that they can use against you, if that makes sense. Well, we're painting a really bleak picture of the police, aren't we? Me, me more than you, me, because no. I do it all the time. But there must no, be some no. decent old skins working in the police who genuinely want to do some good. I think there possibly are, but I think they're very few and far between these days. Um, uh, a lad that I know is a copper. He's a sergeant. Um, and I've known him since he was 13 years old. I dated his sister when I was 19. And I used to take him to the football. And he's a nice lad. He's a nice lad. Um, I don't know what he's like as a copper. Um, you know, we haven't seen each other for years. Um, I, I hope he's a good cop. I don't know, though, mate. I mean, the, my experience in recent years has had more negative than positive. And mine. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So in my case, not my as bad as you. And I think you. Yeah. I mean, you've had you've had a nasty. Yeah. In my case, it was just that we're just not interested in what happened to you, basically. That was mine. So it's yeah, not as bad. bad. That's bad, isn't it? It's rubbish. It is rubbish. Yeah. yeah. I, I still cannot believe earlier this we year. We pay their wages, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's what makes it more sick. Anyway, my friend, what I wanted to, to, to sort of chat to you about was obviously um, it is a little bit linked again to mental health, but PTSD, mate, PTSD. Um, I was diagnosed with it back in 2013 when I was in a, a, a horrendous position. I was in a violent relationship. I wasn't being violent, but the, the girl I was with used to knock the, the, the crap out of me. And at the time, I was supporting a gentleman who, by right, should have been in a secure unit, but wasn't. He was in the community. That's where he ended up. But it took a little while for that to happen. I ended up having a breakdown, mate. And um, I, I had no peace, basically. I was getting it at work and I was getting it at home. Um, but I've had a resurgence in the last six months. I, I had terrible anxiety for the summer, Richie. I spent days in bed and I was in a really bad place. And I wonder how many other people that saw what happened in the last three years differently, because I, I honestly think, mate, that what happened to me in the summer was a, a flare up of something that's and due to the, the situation of everything that happened in the last three years and, you know, how people like us that saw it differently how traumatic that was. What's your take on that? Um, that you're 100% right. Absolutely. You think? Yeah, I've had it myself, I think. And um, I'm not going to talk about me because it's not about me. But um, um, just just, just, just to, to, to illustrate why I think you're absolutely right. And I'm sorry to hear that, pal, that you've had that anxiety. Because it's okay, mate. I'm over it now, but, it, it, you know, it was bad. It is horrible, isn't it? And I don't think my yeah. better half would mind me saying this because she's very open. She's had a bit of it. I have definitely had a bit of it. No doubt about that. I've had the shakes a couple of times where I've actually had a kind of a panic attack thinking about what went on in the last three years and how even today so many people are still oblivious to it. So I've had this. And before we go back to you and how you've dealt with it, because I really want to hear that, I'll tell you what it made me um, late in 2020 when we started getting out and about again. Now, I, I, I never obeyed anything, so I was going out anyway. But for some Thanks. reason, in late 2020 and 2021, I became 
nervous on the motorways. I became much more conscious of stupid drivers and of silly behaviour, things that I was aware of in the past, but I never worried about it. I never feared it. I just, you know, keep your eyes in the back of your head. You drive. I drive like I drive properly. I noticed I was becoming nervous driving and I definitely link it to that. And I've had a few. Yeah. yeah. So, so how did you, how, how do you know when it's coming on? Like, do you feel it coming on? You know, you're going to be. Yeah, I think so. It was creeping in. Um, what happens with me, because um, I'm the same age as you, mate, so I've, you know, I've been around the block a few times. Yeah. Um, but what what generally happens with me is I start getting back into to bad habits. Um, I was oh, back in 2004, 2000, end of 2003, beginning of 2004, I hit rock bottom, mate. I was on the streets. I was sleeping rough. I was an alcoholic um a drug user and not in a good place at all mate so i i've kind of built myself back up from that time when i decided one day when i was sat on a park bench picked up a local newspaper saw a job advert for a chocolate factory nights and i thought it'd be perfect because if i was working nights i could normally find somewhere to crash during the day so anyway looks i'm waffling sorry mate no no you're not good ever since that point ever since that point where i sat on that park bench and decided that i wanted my life to be better and that i had to do something about it up until then i'd got a chip on my shoulder i blamed my dad for a lot of things that were wrong in my life i had a bad childhood like yourself and i turned to drink and drugs and that was how i dealt with it but i made a decision like i say at that point on that bench that things had got to change. And the only person that could do it was me. And I, I got this job in this chocolate factory. I held it down for two years. Um, I, I got promoted to, to a, like a line runner, a machine operator and things like that. And, and it worked well working nights for me because it kept me out of the pubs, if you get what I mean. Yeah. So working yeah. nights was a good way to, if you like, cure my alcoholism and, and, and my persistent drug use. It, it took a while, but um you know all things take a while but what the point i was making is mate when i my anxiety is creeping in i start staying up later i start um you know only getting three or four hours sleep and i I eat junk instead of eating proper meals i eat crap and so i'm adding fuel to the fire so it becomes a vicious circle the more anxiety then i become more anxious and then i start eating more crap i start staying up later i smoke more cannabis than i should and, and these are the things that then attribute to, to making it worse. And it becomes then to the point like it was in the summer where I'd wake up in the morning and just have full on panic attacks. I'd be on my knees struggling for breath. Um, Jess, bless her. She was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant because we got so, mate, we've only just in the last month got to a point where direct debits aren't bouncing. Oh, thank God bank for that. It's only been in the last month. We just had a month where I think we might have had one bounce, but it got retaken two days later, so it went. Talk to so us I about think this that, has been Chris. Talk to us about that. So, I, I had this several times in my adult life, this stress, this panic about not being able to meet bills. Absolute. Yeah. It, it's, it's it a killer. It just adds to it, it's doesn't it? Because when you're well, you really feel like you can't work. Yeah. And not working for me, being self-employed, is devastating. I mean, it literally means there's no money. Jess has a, a part-time job. Um, she's got really chronic COPD. Um, so she works 13 and a half hours a week, a job that she loves, and I'm happy for her to have that job. Um, and, um, you know, apart from we get a little bit of assistance um, with, with a few things because of her health. But apart from that, there isn't a lot coming in apart from my wage. 
But thank so, God, but thank God I'm, your bills are not crazy. You know, oh, they're ridiculous, mate. We, we're up to our eyeballs in debt because we spent £20,000, mate, when Delilah was ill. Um, our, our Cocker Spaniel. Yeah. We, we, we had one medication that was £600 a month and the insurance would only pay out four grand a year per condition. So we're, we're still wallowing in debt from that, mate. Um, but I wouldn't do it. I'd do it the same again, Richie. I, we did right by the dog. And, you know, when the time was right, when she couldn't, when it, there was no way that she was going to get better, we, we made the decision then. But we didn't. We, we threw everything we could at it beforehand, mate. And you don't regret a second of it, of course. No, nah, not, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I had another year and a bit with that dog, mate. Or a year and a half from when she was first well and at no point did she suffer because that was the the, the thing that me and jess said we weren't there so we, but we, yeah back to this ptsd quickly mate. about about um, over the last three years and um, would you believe it, it, it would be interesting to hear what other people think about that because i i really do feel mate that that was the trigger and i've been storing that up did you hear me and, say at one time on the show um i'm going to sound like james o'brien now um, imagine, imagine being that arrogant. Do you remember when I said on the seventeenth of December last year? Do you remember that, Chris? I, I, I mentioned something on a show last year. I think that those of us who were alive to the scam, many of us are suffering shock. I, I did say this a couple I of times see. last year, and I do believe My that I, yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel yeah. that I've gone through some sort of shock, even though. Yeah. It's been a trauma, hasn't it? A, a trauma, absolutely. And I'm sure listeners will will engage with this. But just before you come back in, Agnieszka has said, hello, Agnieszka, I don't think we've heard from you before. She says, we homeopaths are here to help people with anxiety. Homeopathic treatment really works. Please try it. But I'm guessing you have, have you? You've tried everything. No, do you know what? I haven't. Um, I, I, I'm a, a quite a firm proponent in that you, anything can come from within and you can, I, I try not to use, I mean, I use one thing, Richie, and I've obviously mentioned that already and that's cannabis and I've used it for years and my doctor knows about it. It's an open discussion, mate. It gets me into trouble occasionally, but I don't walk around town smoking it or anything like that, mate. I smoke it in my shed in away from Jess, obviously, because she's got bad lungs and I smoke it because it helps to level me out, Richie, and it helps to, helps me to cope and it's better than the things the doctors have wanted to give me over the years like diazepam and um, sertraline. Um, I, I've been down that path when I was younger before I saw the world how I see it now and, and antidepressants mate, uh, they, they mong you out, they, they completely destroy you and um, I won't go down that path so I use the cannabis, my doctor knows about it. Um, he's actually been very supportive when I've been in trouble for it. So what's um, the state of play? Thanks for sharing all of this, Chris. This is really valuable stuff, pal. And I do really mean this. I, I would never say I that unless that. I meant it. This is valuable, right? So uh, on to the cannabis. What's the state of play here in the UK in terms of the legality at the moment? Because it does come up every now and then on Sky News or, or the BBC. Yeah, talk it's, about it. it's a class, um, class B, isn't it now? Labour put it down to class C, but it's moved back to class B. So it's illegal. Um, it's illegal to possess it. It's illegal, obviously, to sell it or buy it. The, there is a trial going on at the at the moment, Richie. It's called the T21 trial. Um, it's run by a thing called Drug Science. My doctor wants me to go on it. I'm a little bit sceptical, to be honest, but he wants me to go on it where they are trying 
for certain conditions of which I've got about five or six that qualify me for it for, for medicinal cannabis use. Um, so there's always, I suppose, a flicker of hope that one day they'll do the decent thing and they, they'll not only legalize it, but they'll allow people to understand that there, that there are benefits for certain people. It's not right for everyone, mate. Nothing is. We're yeah, all different. We're all different, yeah. You know, but our brain does have cannabinoid receptors built in. And what about you all know, of these parents? Doesn't... What about all of these parents who, I know it's not the actual plant and it's not smoking it and it's not making crackers. I know that, but it's the oil. What about the people with um, children who had the most severe forms of epilepsy? Like the lovely Vera Toomey in Cork, whose, whose daughter passed away, sadly, last year. I mean, the kid was, was given amazing relief from the oil. And the Irish government, the bastards, they forced that lady to take her to Holland every few weeks, spending money she didn't have to stay in Holland. We know this stuff is great for people, don't we? For pain and everything. I was epileptic, Richie, from the age of 12 to 15. And they prescribed me sodium valparate and it made me fat. And again, it, it, it did nothing for, 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 my, for my brain, like my, my mental health. It, it monged me out and, and, and you know, it was, it was horrible. I couldn't wait to get off it. I took myself off it before the doctors did. Like Gaz last week, we had an amazing call from Gaz last week who was on severe, severely high dosages of antidepressants. I think Gaz said he was on it for two decades, but he came off with cold turkey and thank God he's, he's doing okay. He feels better. He yeah. said to me something amazing last week. Did you notice this too when you came off it? He said all of a sudden he began to feel things again. Music sounded yeah. different. It desensitizes you in so many ways. It's crap. And it numbs you. Yeah, it is crap. It is crap. It is absolute crap. And it, it's it's never done me any good. So I'm I believe that like anything, like when with my anxiety, the way I dealt with it was I, I knew that I'd got a problem. That was the first thing, recognizing that there was a problem, obviously, and 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 then make, sort of making strategies in my head and what what works with me, Richie. Is, is writing things down. So I started writing myself little lists and they started off really stupid little things like dinner and wash up and then expanded it into like doing a bit more. And by giving myself activities, it meant that I wasn't just sitting in the shed smoking pot. So, you know, it's, and then it's about bringing my bedtime back in and, and just really working on myself, mate. And that's how I've always found the best way to deal with anything is, is acknowledge that you've got a problem and then, and then, and then tell yourself you're going to deal with it. How therapeutic is, I'm not saying this for a laugh and my tongue is not in my cheek because I did admit earlier on to Maria that I don't do anything because I don't, you know, I just don't do anything. I'm terrible. But how, because you're a gardener and you're experienced, how calming and relaxing and therapeutic is working in a nice garden, planting things, watching them grow, nurturing them. Because I imagine it is bloody. I've, I've been thinking about it because in the future we might be living in France, the missus and myself. We might have a little bit more of a garden than we do now. And I, I'm kind of mindful to, to, to do something with that. What's your experience with it? I, I know you came to gardening later in life. I know this because I remember you telling me this. But is it therapeutic? the most beautiful thing that i ever did in my life richie i think apart from marrying my wife and getting my dogs it was it's life-changing that now that things have settled down and and 
I, like I say, I had this traumatic summer. I, I used to have a guy working with me, but we parted company um, because that wasn't helping and he wasn't helping. So um, as much as I hated doing it, I had to let him go. Um, but 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 now I'm back into basics, just working on my own again, mate. It's it's just beautiful. There's there's no other words to describe it. Even on a day like today, where um, my dad came out, my well, my dad, my stepdad. He's nearly eighty, Richie, but he'll still come out and do a day with me now and again. Really? And um, yeah, he's he's a beautiful man. He's a beautiful man. Um, he um, he picked me up at quarter past seven this morning and we drove to a town about sort of like a little town called Swatham about sort of 30 miles from where I live and we, we did a, 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 the grounds for a business there I do the one in Kings Lynn and they asked if I as a favour I'd do the one in Swatham so anyway we went and did it and we were there at eight o'clock this morning mate the frost was on the ground my fingers I couldn't feel my fingers this morning mate when I was weeding in this soil it was all frozen <laughs> as I'm going to break out but you know what I sat there Richie and I, and I thought to myself then I don't I've never regretted this never not one day have I thought I wish I didn't do this and it's 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 got me sorted my own garden out mate as you know we grew veggies through the summer me and Jess it was beautiful eating straight from the garden um, and we've got a beautiful garden now, mate. Um, and uh, obviously not so much at the moment because it's winter. But in the yeah. summer, we've got loads of shrubs and plants that we've put in. And grow some that I've grown from seed, things like dahlias and osteospernums that I've just grown from seed. And they'll they'll come back next year and years after and years after. And yeah, anyone I would, you know, I, I would say to anyone, if you if you're feeling low, get yourself out in nature. You've got, you don't even um, have to be gardening, mate. Yeah, you've got such a gorgeous and soft and easy listening voice. You should do, or if, I know you probably don't have the time, but something along the lines of um, Rumble or YouTube um, chatting about these things, even with the camera in your own garden, because it'd be the sort of thing that, I, that I'd watch, Chris. It might be something you might want Bless to think about. Bless you, that's kind of you. Yeah. Mate, I have thought about it. I have been a guest on a podcast recently. I've, I've done five or six now with the gentleman, um, which... which there was one on there he called it dig this for victory and um i spoke about sort of the the benefits the therapeutic benefits of gardening on there if anybody wants to check that out it's on youtube i think give um, us give us the title yeah. again chris it's called dig this for victory um the gentleman's channel is eric von essex he's a lovely guy very nice chap um but yeah we spoke about gardening on there and 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 yeah, and it, I think not just gardening, but foraging as well, Richie. Picking what's berries and things like that. It's all good. And you'd the closer have to, you get back to nature, mate, the better. Yeah, and you'd have to imagine that if it's growing on trees and bushes now and it's edible now, well, then it must be good for you. Otherwise, nature wouldn't be providing it right now. Exactly. Yeah, Nature's given that, us yeah. everything we need, my friend, including the medicines that we need and, and the foods that we need and... and you know, you should never buy anything in a packet, really, if you think about it. Um, you know, the, the the closer I think we take ourselves back to source, back to nature, back to Mother Earth, God, whatever you want to call it, mate, the closer we get back to where we were supposed to be, I think the better for everyone's health. Do us a favour, uh, Chris, give Jess um, her regards and a big hug. She sends in the occasional message on Sundays. Mate, she loves Sunday the show. Sunday show, and we both do. It's a treat. It's our, our, I'm going to miss it this week because, unfortunately, I've got to work Sunday because I'm 
all day Saturday and I've got one that I've got to squeeze in. So I will miss it this week, unfortunately. But Jess will be listening and make thanks again. Everything you do, you, you, you've been a help to me. And I know probably a lot of other people, mate, um, through, through the nonsense. It was, it was tuning into you of an evening and 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 again just one quick thing mate and i'll get out your hair that when we when i first spoke to you on a phone in two years ago that was life-changing as well because i've now a lot more um what you would call an active listener i obviously comment on the website and through that i've made friends with wayne um with uh faisal we we we, we chat um at pandora chaser um loads of people robert door from backbeat um there's some beautiful people on there mate and i feel part of that community so again thank you for having that facility there for us to to chat and that that's that's been a help you're very welcome um, chris and cheers keep up the good work my friend thank we'll you speak again I'm sure. and you too and thanks for sharing your, your um thoughts about the last couple of years and the the, the the stress of it and the PTSD because um it's meant a lot to me that because I felt it and I've gone through it too. That was Chris the gardener. Lovely to have Chris back. That's a fantastic call and thanks to um um to Jess um his his better half as well. Listen, um Martin is going to be on next. I think Martin might be he might or he might not be in the Far East. Maybe he isn't. But he's got a vaccine story to tell us. Before I do that though, I've got to read some comments. Lots of comments came in. It's the phone in on the Richie Allen Show, Wednesday's programme, the 6th of December, 2023. Uh, Anil from Ca- uh, from Chiswick says, Cannabis fools people, says uh, Anil, into believing it helps alleviate anxiety and stress, but it can be the cause of it, in my opinion, says Anil. I was a former weed user for 22 years, but I am clean now 661 days. Now, for physical conditions like epilepsy, I understand it. Uh, but cannabis addiction is very real. That's a different perspective from Anil, who says, uh, best of luck to, uh, to to Chris. Thank you for that. Anil, we like to get all the perspectives here. Sound a bit like Nicky Campbell now. Gail says, even fish have cannabinoid receptors, Richie. Thanks, Gail. Supreme CBD is fantastic. Other brands are available, Gail. But when Matthew Letizia was on the programme, and we enjoyed having him on, didn't we? I know that Matt does work with Supreme CBD, as does Gareth Ike, says Gail. I, I, I do believe that. friend of mine who you often hear mentioned on the programme, the thespian in Connemara, was asking me about my insomnia, which has been really bad lately. Which is a funny old thing. I've had it since I was in my mid-teens. I'm not going to bore you with the same story again. But um, once or twice a year it gets very bad really bad and at the moment i'm getting a couple of hours if that but i don't let it get to me uh, i never does i just kind of crack on with it but uh the the aforementioned jane ann was was talking about maybe the cookie form of the cannabis but we were talking about this on the phone this morning and th- the thing i have learned is that getting the old weed that the old hippies would have smoked in the 60s and 70s is increasingly difficult to come by isn't it because it's skunk now, isn't it? And skunk is wacky-backy, isn't it? Anyway, you have to forgive me because I, I know so little about this stuff, you know. Adrian dated a second-year medical student in the mid-90s. 
He, Adrian, was 26. She was approaching 20. She was lovely, if not a bit naive, but she did want to help people. Unfortunately, about half of her fellow med students were there because mummy and daddy wanted them to be doctors. Of course, that doesn't mean they were bad people, but several were so arrogant I couldn't be around them for long. And also, says Adrian, this was the era of obvious big pharma incentivization. Thank you, Adrian. Very good. Joe has been smoking weed since Joe was 23. It has helped me become an amazing pianist. Much better at the piano, says Joe, because it has helped my concentration. Thank you, Joe. Hi to Chris, who's, who's with Chris the gardener on the cannabis use too. But I'm lucky, says Chris Morell, in that, uh, like you, I get my biggest toy from exercise and from total fitness. Yeah. Yeah, I do get a bit of a high from running. I wasn't in any condition this morning to run. Because I was exceptionally tired. I was in a bad way. Tired. I, I, my, my, my limbs were heavy. And it was freezing out. And the footpaths were treacherous. But, and I'm not trying to come off as the greatest American hero here now. Because I'm far from that. But I put my trainers on. My shorts. I got my, um, my snud for my neck. My woolly hat. And I just started putting one foot in front of the other. And before I know it, I'm outside of Old Trafford Cricket Stadium. And I've got two and a half miles to, to, to turn back and come home. And I'm kind of buzzing, really, even though I'm absolutely knackered. And I've got some podcasts on. I'm listening to a podcast made, made by Craig Levine and a lovely woman called Amy. It's called Sacked in the Morning by the BBC. And it's um, Craig, who's a football manager. He's managing St. Johnston at the moment, but he used to manage Hearts. And I think he might have managed Scotland. I could be wrong, though. Craig, he's a really lovely fella. And Amy's a lovely woman. She's a journalist. And they just interview football managers and referees. And they have a bit of a laugh. And I'm running and I'm listening to this. I'm listening to a former referee, Jeff Winter, who's from uh, Middlesbrough, I believe. And I'm just laughing out loud in the freezing cold, running along with my gloves on me. And I got a bit of a buzz out of that. So I suppose, yeah, I, I'm with Chris Morell. This is where I take my... My highs, my pleasure. Now, I need to shut up because Martin has got a vaccine story and he's next up. So let's get him on. It's the Richie Allen Show. It is coming up for 21 minutes to the top of the air Wednesday's programme. Thank you for all of the messages. We've had hundreds of messages come in, loads of them. Um, wishing Chris the absolute very best. Loads of you saying that you completely understand Chris talking about PTSD because of the ugliness and the tyranny of the lockdown and everything else. I think we can say hello to Martin. Hello, Martin. How are you? I am okay. Uh, do you want me to turn the radio off? Please, buddy. I can't hear anything, funnily enough, Martin, but do turn it down anyway, please. Okay, I'll turn it off. You can hear me now. Uh, loud and clear, pal. You sound great. Where, where, are you, where are you calling from or where am I calling you uh, okay. from? Where well, are I mean, you? I prefer not to say, if you don't mind. Of course. Uh, just, um, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, not I just, the... just want to say... Sorry? No, I was just, I, I, you're not going to get the fourth degree or the third degree. No, I don't need to know where you are, buddy. I was only being curious. Yes, but I mean, I just really wanted to say, um, um, I heard the, the guy speaking just a few calls ago. Uh, I think he had a, a Liverpool accent, and he was giving his experience about the jab and about when he went there with his child. Peter, that's right. Yeah. And it's very, it's like, it's a kind of it's inspiring to hear people call and tell their stories because you identify, uh, you, you can identify yourself with that and you realise you're not the only one. Um... In my case, this is going back like 10 years or even more than 10 years ago. So it's well before all this COVID nonsense. Uh, I had the jab. They gave me the flu jab. And uh, I think it was a hepatitis jab as well. And um, 
And I, after that, I got very serious arthritis, like really bad arthritis that you can't even describe it in words. You where, know, where, the, Martin, where? In your legs? Was it in your knees? Was no, it in, the, the arthritis was in all the, the whole upper body, especially the shoulders and the neck. Yeah, the legs, the legs, there was no problem in the legs, but just the upper shoulders and then ah, it went from the, from the, the shoulders, upper neck, the upper body and down to the hips as well. Uh, and um, so it was really bad. You know, I don't know if you've had arthritis, but, the, you know, anyone who's had really painful arthritis will know that the pain is really bad because it's, it's deep. Yeah, the pain comes deep from like within the bones and within the, jo- in the joints. And it's a really like uh, it makes you feel completely like uh, completely powerless because you can't stop that pain. So I went to the doctor, and you know at that time I still trusted them, and I was I was like kind of surprised. I was like, well, why have I got this? I've always been very fit and healthy, um, doing uh, sports and, ath- and athletics. And the doctor, you know, he just said, oh, you know, here here are some painkillers and some anti-inflammatories. Don't worry about it. So you know, I went, I took all the painkillers, and then a couple of weeks later. I had to go back because the pain was, um, you know, it was getting worse. And he goes to me, "Oh, that's that's normal. Um, the painkillers will, uh, they, uh, your body will, will 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 get accustomed to it. You build up tolerance, so you need to take more painkillers." So, um, you know, we just continued this cycle of more painkillers, more anti-inflammatories, and I began to realise. So, where's this going? You know, because I knew that the painkillers are damaging for your body to take in the long term. And the doctor was basically just prescribing more painkillers. And he goes, oh, well, you know, we'll change these painkillers. It's normal. We'll change them for other ones, combine them with other ones. And I just thought, hang on a minute. I began to get very, like, suspicious, thinking, what is going on here? So, and uh, I said to the doctor, so what's my prognosis for me in the long term? And he just said to me in a very nonchalant way, he just said, well, you know, there's no cure for it. We have to manage it with painkillers and anti-inflammatories. And, uh, you know, and I was a young person, a very young person. I was going time. to ask you, Martin, because you sound young as it is. So yeah. you were, what, what were I, you, early 20s at the time, were you? Exactly, yeah, yeah. I was in my early 20s. And uh, I said to him, uh, and I was shocked. And he just, go, he just said to me in the most nonchalant way, he just goes to me, oh, but, you know, eventually when, when the joints get completely damaged and destroyed, then we just have to look at uh, when it becomes necessary, you'll have to look at joint replacement therapy, Jesus. like hip replacement. And I was just shocked. I was like, how is this guy telling me this? What is he saying to me? You know, I couldn't even believe it. And the way he just says it in a nonchalant way. Yeah. So I began to, you know, I mean, at that, at that time there was the internet, but it's not like now where everything is online, you know. So at that time you could get access to information on the internet if you went to search for it. So I began to look at the symptoms, arthritis and the causes and the solu- possible solutions and I began to get inter- to become interested at that time in alternative therapies, uh, and I began to realise that these guys, these guys create the problem, and they will not offer you any solution. They they will destroy you. They will destroy your health, and they will kill you. I mean, this is what I began to realise. It was a gradual process. Yeah. You know. And, and Martin, did anybody? Uh, by the way, you've got time now, so so I'm not going to rush you or anything. Okay. Did, sorry, did, I was speaking fast. Sorry. Yeah, no, because you you probably think I'm going to kick. No, no, we've got we've got another ten minutes before, so okay. we've got plenty of time. D- did anybody acknowledge that the vaccine was in some way connected to the arthritis? A very good question. No, when you ask them this, they completely go blank. They will not answer that question because I said I suggested that. I said I haven't done anything. All I've done is had these two jabs recently, 
And I began to read about it, that I wasn't the only one, that actually this is a common reaction uh, um, from all the uh, chemicals, the basically the chemical toxic trash that is in there. So I began to realize it's a common thing and I wasn't the only one. And I said this to the doctor and these people, I mean, you ask me that question and basically you get a blank from them. They will never acknowledge it. And then when the next year came, and they and he said to me, I had to have another flu jab. I said, no way am no I having any other injection in my life. To me, it sounds like, man, look, it, I, I probably don't have any right to say this because I don't know anything about, you know, being a doctor. But to me, sure. on, on some level, it's malpractice to give a flu jab to a healthy young man in his 20s. It's ridiculous. I mean, if a young man in his 20s gets the flu, Martin, you've had it. I've had it myself. You're miserable for two or three or four days. You drink loads of fluids. You're a bit achy and, you know, creaky for yeah. a couple of weeks. And you get over it. It's one of those things, like, you just don't yeah, need know, the No, but you realise, as time goes by, you realise, and I'm sure you know the answer yourself. Um, you know, obviously you're presenting that information, but I'm sure you know. It's just a racket. It's, it's a, a racket. scam. It's a big pharma scam, as, yeah. I've, as I have learned over the years. It's just a scam. You know, the, the, it's a scam. Not only does it not benefit you, but it actually weakens you and it destroys your health. And you realize that this is their business model. This is their business model. There's no way to avoid recognizing that reality. And no, you're right. You, you're right, because if you become injured by a jab, most of the time, so if, 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 if a thousand people are injured by a jab, probably 950 of them don't imagine... Um, that the jab caused the injury. They'll imagine it was something else. So then, as you said, as the doctor sure. starts writing prescriptions, not only does the doctor start writing prescriptions, but then they write prescriptions to deal with the side effects of the prescriptions they've just yes, written, and, you, and you're, yeah. on, you're on drugs. So I'm fascinated by you. You knew the jabs did it. You were not going to take this crap from the doctor of, right, we'll keep putting you on medication until we give you a hip replacement, Martin. So you yeah. did a deep dive then into alternative therapies and remedies. What did you find and how did it help you? Okay, um, well, I mean, I mean, first of all, I'll just give you a little bit more information on the, on the, on the painkillers and that. I mean, I, I did take them for a while, but it was a slow process. I began to realize this is going nowhere. This, this, will, this will destroy you even more. So that's when I began to look um, at other alternatives and I began to read a lot, as you say, a deep dive into alternative therapies. And I realized that you can detoxify your body from this toxic trash that they're pumping into you. But you have to be very, very disciplined and you have to really be committed to it. Basically, I went on a raw food diet for uh, more than one year. So I was eating just raw vegetables. Um, and I had to do, because I read all about this, and basically it said that, you, you know, you basically your body renews itself every three months or every six months, whatever it is. You know, all the cells renew themselves. Yeah. So you have to like encourage this process to take place and you have to completely detoxify your body and also do intensive exercise um, on the joints where you've got the most pain. So that's what I had to do. I mean, I was doing constant exercise. I began to do and it was can you imagine doing exercise when you've got pain in those joints. I've not experienced the type of pain you have. I, I do not. You are the gold medal winner there, Martin, no doubt. But I did have an operation on one of my knees when I was in my 20s, and it does give me a bit of pain occasionally when I run, but nothing like you. It's not chronic. So I do kind of know, yeah, it's very difficult. It's difficult to run or to do anything when you're in pain. Yeah, because 
Yeah. Because you're, you're exercising against that pain specifically. Yeah. You know, and eventually the idea is is to eliminate that information and that pain. You know, when you begin to begin to understand the causes of that, then you then you can begin to try to counteract the effects. So it was a very long process, uh, and now uh, I haven't eliminated it. I've still got the pain, a lot of stiffness. Well, actually, there's not really pain, but there's a lot of stiffness. Um, and I guess I'm going to have that for life. But I've no, you eliminated- might not. Hang on, hang on. Now, call me an idiot if you want, because you've obviously done a lot no, no, more. No, no, do if you want. You, you've done more research than I do. But I do occasionally listen to a bit of Joe Rogan when I'm out running, right? Like a bit of Joe yeah. sometimes. And they're doing a lot... In Mexico, they're doing a lot of stem cell therapy treatment. What do you think of that? Have you read much about that? What do you think of it? I've seen a little bit about that. I've seen that supposedly a lot of these rich and famous people, they they they, they inject themselves with that or they take yeah. that for those therapies. You yeah. know, like Kissinger and those kind of people, um, yeah. the elites. Um, I don't know. I mean, it looks, um, it, I guess there's, you know, it makes, there's some logic to it, I guess, because yeah. you're, you're, you're renewing. Yourself. That's right. And and you probably don't know this, but um recently we had a real fright with her with her two year old dog and we thought she had elbow dysplasia. And there is a stem cell therapy clinic in London. It's very expensive, but my insurance carrier said they would cover it, which was amazing, right? So we're talking thousands of pounds now. And obviously we sure. wouldn't we wouldn't have that kind of money, but the insurance said they would do it. And they were gonna take they were gonna take cells from her stomach. And they were going to inject them into the joint and regenerate the the tissue there, and she was going to be okay. So Joe Rogan swears by this. That doesn't mean anything now, but you know he says in the future people won't have to worry about hip replacements. They will be able to regrow, basically. So maybe there might be something in that. But but, but you hit the nail on the head. At the moment, Martin, it's not for people like you and me because it sure. costs hundreds of thousands of pounds at the moment. I believe. But anyway, but that's yeah. Yeah, and I guess even when those things become available, people try to make a profit. You know, it's about profit. It's profit led, so they won't. You know what I mean? It's the the the, the, the motive and the priority is to make money. So how, you know what I mean? They're not. It's not you're like right, they're going to make it right. freely and easy, easily available. Yeah. I think I don't know. I, mean, I think you're right. It's not as if Auntie Janet's going to be popping over to Salford Royal Hospital next week. You know, to be given the stem cells. You're right. Of course, it could, it could be decades or more before you know ordinary people get it. But but it is interesting. So I'm interested because we've got about four minutes left. So okay. you you've diligently worked on the diet. You've done the exercise, even though it sounds counterproductive, but it isn't. And you've sure. you've reduced most of the discomfort. So you do have some pain, but it's not nearly as bad. This is fascinating now. For well, me. I mean, I w- I would say I've eliminated all the pain. Yeah, but I've managed to eliminate that, thank God. But I've got still stiffness and discomfort, you know, and I have to continue to do the exercises, otherwise it it gets more stiff, you know. But the pains, the pain I've eliminated, let's say the pain, you know, so I can't compare that to before because the pain is gone, but there is discomfort and stiffness. Um, and I thank I thank Big Pharma for that, which I've learned actually. I'm sure you're familiar with the term pharmakia. Yeah. Yeah. So people people should look into that because. There's something very suspicious and strange about all this. Why are they so insistent upon pumping us full of these chemicals? Why is that? There's something going on there. There's something behind this, you know. And then, you know, as you know, from all this COVID madness that we've had to live through, then they kind of, they take their mask off and they show you openly who they are. 
and what they're about are and you, what their agenda is. Do you sometimes think, Martin, that because you had your initial problem 10 years ago, in, in a weird and kind of perverse way, sure. it, it did you a favour because when sure. the COVID bollocks, excuse my language, started, you knew, didn't you? And when they started talking yeah. about vaccines, we'll have vaccines ready in five months, you knew, didn't you? And it was because of what happened to you 10 years ago. Definitely. I think you're very perceptive to to, 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 sit, to say that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you realize these things that are like a disaster in your life can God, I guess, can have a way of making it so it benefits you in the long term, because I would have taken that crap. I would have gone and got myself injected if this wouldn't have happened to me. So, you know, you're 100 percent correct. I agree. Yeah, you know, the I think they took their mask off. And I think that anyone who didn't see that. I mean, most of the people who listen to this program, they see that. But anyone who didn't see it, these guys are hypnotized. They're living in denial. They're living on, you know, it's like, uh, what, what do you call that when you have like two thoughts at the same time and they're contradictory thoughts? Um, cognitive dissonance. Two, yeah. yeah. Yeah, cognitive dissonance, yeah. That's it. You know, I mean, you have to, 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 to go, you know, to, to continue to go along with this nonsense, you have to be suffering from severe cognitive dissonance because... It's obvious what they're doing to me. I mean, to me, it's obvious, but to many people, it's not. And to some people, it's they're kind of on, on the one hand, it's obvious, but on the other hand, they still want to believe in it. So it's Martin, very strange. It's, you are so well, you are so right. Even today, the former prime minister told the COVID inquiry. He basically admitted that the death counting, the counting of COVID deaths was flawed. He admitted it, that people were dying of other things and they were being listed as COVID deaths. So that's why the cognitive dissonance is so maddening because it isn't as if, I mean, you made a brilliant point a second ago, they, they took the mask off. They're not hiding the tyranny and yet people yeah. are still happy to to go along with it. We've got exactly 40 seconds left, Paul, so I'll give you oh, the I final just, word. Just, brilliant call, just, by the way. Just, just very quickly before we finish, actually, um, people say, does COVID exist or doesn't exist? Okay, in my case, yeah, I became very, very ill. I think it was in 2022. After everybody had been injected, right. I became very ill. I couldn't breathe. So I know there's something out there. But at the same time, I have to say, I was infected, obviously, by people who were injected because everybody around me was injected and I was the only one who wasn't. And I became very ill and I nearly died. And I took, actually, I took Ivermectin Did you and know? other natural things. And very and quickly, Martin, say, very oh, quickly, very quickly, because we are really bang up on time. Where did you get the Ivermectin? Because I couldn't find any. Ah, uh, but uh, uh, in, in other places, it's easily available. Right. Online, you can find it. And it does help. It, I, I'm sure that saved me along with other things because I was going to die. I knew I was going to die that night because I could, I could see that I couldn't breathe. I literally could not breathe, you know. So there's definitely something out there. And I would say it seems to be they're spreading it. I've got no other conclusion. They must, they must be using these vaccines or something to spread it because everyone was injected. At least they had two jabs, two or three jabs by then. Everybody. Most people definitely so, did. Hey, Martin, that was an outstanding call, pal. I really mean it. Thanks for taking the time out to okay, get in no touch problem. with us. Thanks for your show. I'm sure many of us uh, appreciate it greatly. No, Thank I appreciate you, you. Brilliant, brilliant information. Thanks, Martin. Excellent. I really appreciate Martin. Everybody else who called in. Uh, today. Thank you so much for your calls. Um, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. We'll do another one next week, right? Um, we will do another one next week. We'll do one every week. Um, I was asked a question today by somebody who is sharper than me, um, which is most people. It was about the Christmas schedule. So yes, there is a Christmas morning melodies, but Christmas Day falls on a Monday. So some waggy type person, some smirker, 
said, uh, Richie, presumably you'll be doing Sunday morning. Ma- no, I won't be. Sunday the 24th is Christmas Eve, so no, I won't be. <laughs> because I'll be on air with you the following morning, Christmas Day. So you're not getting two. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be as good then, anyway. And um, I, I don't know whether this sounds a bit stupid, but I love Christmas morning melodies. I think this will be the third one, will it? Or will it be the fourth? I think the third Christmas morning melodies. It'll be 10 o'clock on Christmas Day anyway, so look, there you are. Listen, I meant what I said. Excellent phone calls. Thank you to everybody who called in. Everybody. Brilliant calls. I'm back with you tomorrow. David Whelan is on the programme tomorrow. He has written an outstanding book about the assassination of John Lennon. And um, I recommend it. I really do. So David will be on to talk about the book. That'll be very interesting, I think. Um, I was due to go to the footy tonight, as I said. I gave my ticket to a young friend of mine who I meet um, every Saturday morning at a local supermarket where he works. I hope they scored a few goals for him. Um, I'm just going to chill out because I need to relax a bit. I need to relax. I need to breathe. Now, um, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Until tomorrow then, at 5 p... 4, 4, 4, 4, 4. Jesus wept. Old habits die hard. Old habits die hard. Until tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks again to my friend Mark Poyersky, by the way, for all the support he gives me and this show. Check him out at his YouTube channel. Say hello to him there. Bye for now. Closing out with Kings of Leon. Come on.